Okay, with Malka Shabtai, uh, Nafkat Yearning is the feature film. It's about an uh, Israeli anthropologist who travels to uh, Ethiopia, and there's a hidden uh, Jewish community north of Ethiopia. And basically, that's kind of the summary of your story, which I found completely fascinating. So, uh, first of all, I'm curious, did you know this, This I'm assuming you knew this community existed before you went out to film film them in Ethiopia? Well, you are right. There is a little history there. I am uh, this year celebrating 40 years of my work with Ethiopian Jews, both in Israel and Ethiopia. But only 28 years ago, I firstly heard about this community in a conference in Venice by Ethiopian British historian who presented this community, but no one of us believed him. We thought he just made up another community. And then I worked in the Israeli embassy in Addis Ababa. I returned to Israel to very much involved with the community. Nobody ever mentioned this community. But uh, as I always say, God has another, other plans. Destiny wants something else. So exactly, almost exactly five years ago, I was on my way to Zimbabwe to visit another Jewish community called the Lemba. And I got a phone call from an Ethiopian friend who already lived in Ethiopia. And he said, look, Malka, I met this guy who claimed to be a Jew, but although I am an Ethiopian Jew, I have no idea what he's talking about. Would you agree to talk to him? So he called me in the evening and started telling me the story of his community. And I told him, wait a minute. I went and took the article from my library from Richard Pankhurst, who presented it 28 years ago. And it was exactly there, one by one, exact story, exact words, exactly exact locations. So I, I told him, look, I'm on my way to Zimbabwe. When I get back, I will stop in Addis Ababa for seven hours. I'd like to meet the elderly, the young, the women. Let me meet you. So he arranged that meeting. And ever since my life has changed, I am totally involved and committed to this community. Every six months I went to Ethiopia, but only after two years, uh, the community decided in a big, uh, large uh, community gathering, they decided that they are ready to come out and share their story uh, with the rest of the world. Not all, not everyone. It was very sensitive, but I was already very deep immersed in the community and doing my anthropological research. So they gave me a green line. I went to film school and I started shooting. I was 60 years old at that time. So you went to you went to film school when you were sixty years old. Exactly. Before that, I'm an anthropologist, university professor. I wrote fifteen books. But when I was sixty, and this happened with the community, I went to film school to learn the language. The you know the, what does it mean to make a film? What ethical considerations I should keep in my mind? And it was COVID time, also in Israel. So every time that there was a lockdown in Israel, I took a taxi to the airport and took a cinematographer with me and filmed in Ethiopia. So you're, okay, so you're, you're a doctor, you're an anthropologist, correct? Yes, I'm an applied anthropologist. And making a film is part of the ways I have to help the community, to make an impact on their life. I use the film to struggle with them on their religious and human rights, both in Ethiopia and in Israel to get recognition. And we are just about to go to a USA tour to share this story with the 
large Jewish and academic world. Gotcha. So, okay, so so what? Okay, so you wanted to make a, a feature film about this because of you were so involved in the community. That that's that was your motivation to go to film school. Did you think of another avenue to make the film, like hiring somebody to make it, or do you needed to make it yourself? No, I had to do it myself because the most important element in doing a film with the hidden community is to gain their trust. It took me all two years to even get the trust of a community, collective community that are hiding. They don't know to do anything else but hiding. And, and now I'm coming to them and say, let's share your story. And they were ready to do so only after two years. So not only are they shy, but they're kind of a fear of their safety, their fear, fear of their security, I guess, right? This is a community that's highly persecuted for their religion and for them, for them not willing to give up their ancient uh, traditions that are still continuing from the, the days of the first temple. And they live in a very remote area. And let me surprise you, the area that they live is one of the most beautiful geographical areas I've been in my life and I've been around. Mm -hmm. And they are hiding in a small, uh, very uh, down the hill, uh, difficult to reach uh, uh, small communities with the sacred a synagogue or temple yeah. just by a river. Now, you will not imagine, we are 2023, right? Yeah. I am the only white person most of these people ever met. I'm the first white people they ever met. In this area, there is no tourism, no uh, foreigners coming, nothing. Okay, so you're so you you went there like like how long ago did you go when you first met them? How many years ago was it? No, first like almost five years. Five five uh, five years ago. So then you met them five years ago. Exactly. You came, you would come every six months, and yeah. then. Obviously, there's there's analogies. There's like uh, to the Jewish. Obviously, the, the history of Jewish, like this is this is a like a modern day history lesson. Meaning that like what they're doing is what Jews have been doing for you know tens of thousands of years, right? Being hid, hiding the their faith. Temple. Yeah, first temple. It, it's it's amazing. Like the the tenacity. Like what motivate? I'm just so curious. Like what motivates them to keep their faith? Okay. Like, why don't they just like not become? Why don't they just not be Jewish? Wouldn't their life be a little bit easier? Exactly. Good question. I will tell you something about it. But before, let me just give you a larger context. Besides of being an anthropologist for the last forty years with Ethiopian Jews in Israel and in Ethiopia, I am involved for the last twelve years with other diverse Jewish communities: Moroccan Jews in Amazonia, Emiratos. Uh, other communities as like the Lemba in Zimbabwe. So the big issue of the 10 lost tribes of Israel, of the Jews of, who have been expelled from Spain and Portugal, this is something that I fully involve. So this is one of the top communities that took me there. But you are right. When I go to community gatherings all over Ethiopia, we didn't mention that, but I speak Amharic, of course. Of course, I speak the local language. I'm familiar yeah. with the, the food, the, the things just like, like, almost like a local. But every time I meet a group of people and they were telling me about the persecution and suffering, I would ask the same naive question. Wouldn't it be easier if you would immerse with the Christian neighbors, forget about persecution, yeah. get 
the church, by the way, were trying for all through history to buy them, to give them money for food, to give them land, to convince them only if they will agree to receive Jesus to their life. But they refuse. And the reason I believe and I searched it, and I even wrote a chapter about it, the, the deep reason is because of their forefathers called Abba Dawit. He, he, the one who built the 45 hidden synagogues, he told them, the day of redemption will come. We shall return to Jerusalem, where we came from. But until then, you have, you have to keep it inside. And even today, some of the elderly people said, we will go to Jerusalem like the words of the prophets, only when the time will come. When God will decide that this is the time, it is the time. Now with me, we have an agreement and discourse that say the time came to come out and struggle for your religious and human rights. And you will not believe. Following the screening of the film at Addis Ababa University, recently in a big cinema in the city, uh, working with a lot of officials, this community got for the first time in history land for a Jewish cemetery. Can mm. you imagine a religious community that don't have a cemetery and have to... Uh, uh, to, to look always for solutions where to bury their people. Also, we got land to build up a synagogue and a community center. It's it's fascinating. Okay, so tell me, okay, so you with the film school, tell me about the story. First of all, uh, the language barrier. Did you speak the language that they're speaking? Yeah, I told you. I speak Amarinia. You know, 40 years, it's a lot of time. Yeah. I know the language. By the way, I, I'm just completing another course of reading and writing in okay. Amharic. Uh, and I talked to them all the daily conversations, but I also had the community spiritual leader, a young man, as you see in the film, that translates for me. So everybody knows yeah. that I say, like, I always say like this, for the first 20 minutes, I only speak Amarinia. But we get serious, I need to have the translation to make sure I don't lose anything. Okay, you're in the film as well, so people know that you're, you're, you do the interviews in the, in the, in the film. So yeah. okay, so you're you're okay. So you're with the film school. Okay, I want to make this film. So how did you kind of process it? Because there's obviously there's a thematic and the, there's a cohesive beginning, middle, and end. From a structure standpoint, did you like write an outline of like, okay, this is what I want to say in the film? You kind of wrote like no. a loose script. It's a very uh, uh, ex extreme case of documentary. Let me explain to you. Okay. When they told me after two years, they said, we are ready to go. Uh, we are ready to share our story. Now, how are we going to go about it? Firstly, I, I said to myself, I'm not going to tell their story. I'm going to create the infrastructure that they will share the story among themselves in, in throughout the generations. So look what happened. First time I came with the Ethiopian Israeli filmmaker, uh, 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 to go and visit the first uh, hidden synagogue, Afar. When I came to Ethiopia, to the community gathering, already with the cinematographer, they didn't tell me where I'm going to shoot. They sent me to have dinner. When I got back, the elderly said, we decided you should go to the very first hidden synagogue. They just didn't tell me that it will take two days to go by Jeep with no roads, no lights, very far away and very difficult physically. So we did, we went all the way to this hidden synagogue and we start shooting. Now, here is the story behind the story. 
Abera, my hero. At that evening, when we went out to have a, a dinner in a fish restaurant nearby, until that time, I only knew him as a young, very shy guy that make artwork, which I love and which I buy for myself. He came with, with us to this dinner, and throughout the dinner, he would start begging, Malka, I want to come with you. Oh, I said, oh, no, there is no place in the Jeep. It's already full. Malka, I have to come with you. No, I told you that there is no room. I cannot take more people. Where shall I take them? Mm. And, and then he started crying. And I said, Abera, what's the matter? What happened? Malka, you have to understand. They don't let us go to the hidden synagogue. This is the opportunity of my life to complete the missing pieces. I was shocked. You know, we were all eating, having fun, and he was crying. And it was late at night and we were about to leave the next morning at five o'clock, something like this. And he said, let me go home. I'll bring my basic things and I will meet you. At that time, I slept in one of the houses very far away. I woke up in the morning. There were all my team, five o'clock, ready to go. Abera was there. And he joined us. This is very interesting what happened. Abera see me as his second mom. I'm an older woman. He gave me his hand. He carried the blankets. You can see in the film that he is physically leading me. But he went there as a like an opportunity to find out things that he couldn't do by himself. Mm. Came back to Israel, look at everything, and then said, "Who is the hero of this film? We actually didn't film a hero ahead of time." So yeah. a big discussion started with my editor. So Malka, you are the hero of this film. I said, no way. I will be there, but I'm not the hero. I want to make sure they are doing the work among themselves. Disgusting, disgusting. And then he said, okay, we have to go back to Ethiopia for a second shooting. Now to build up the... Now in the editing room, yeah. we understood that Tabera is our hero. Second time, I took one of the best Israeli cinematographer who is a filmmaker himself. Yeah. Many areas, and it's also an interesting story. He came to my home to get some advice about one one other issue, and I said, "I'm going back to Ethiopia." He said, "Take take me with you." I said, "There is no way I can pay you. You are too expensive for me." Yeah. Malka, take me. Pay me next year. Pay me later. Yeah. And he came. And what was great, besides of the fact that he has a lot of experience, and I have just beginning, yeah. he gave me my place. I was. The, the director, the producer, and we start filming Abera as the hero. So it was amazing. And this is how we made the film. That's amazing. Yeah, because it's very, it's there's some really uh, poignant uh, like shots in the film where like it's kind of, yes, it's like, I love the scenes where where the guy is uh, creating. He's like, he's like, there's like, there's a lot of creativity within this community, right? And he's like building the, the, um, the, yeah, sorry. I live in a, I live in a Jewish household. I should know that. <laughs> so, Menorah. Menorah. Yeah. So now let me tell you this. Yeah. This is my genius editor. By the way, I took her right after film school because what she did, of course, I was impressed from him as an as an artist. But we filmed twice the whole process of making a piece. Twice, in the first time and the second time. And we understood that equivalent as the community comes out, the product of his artwork comes out. 
So it, she she's a genius. By the way, she did two films with me already. And you know what happened to her? What? She's now, she's now in Germany study documentary filmmaking. Oh, wow. Yeah, after Nafkot. And, and I just want to tell you one more thing, because this was my amazing experience to make documentary. Okay, we plan to come to one of the one of the synagogues, Rimga, and I knew that each one of them has relatives that they have never seen for a long time. Then we plan to come inside. Abera will ask some questions, the elderly, and they will answer. Now, as she said, one side are the men, the other side are, are the women. I gave the instructions to the photographer and I went to sit with her. Then Abera came to the elderly people and start asking, I came here, I would like to learn about the history of my community. And they start answering. Suddenly this woman stood up and she told them, excuse me, I am more familiar with the details of our history. Let me tell him uh, uh, the story. So I looked at that and immediately I said to many, to many areas, stop please, we are changing the scene. And I, I brought her to the center, I brought Abera to the center and I forgot about the men and I told Abera, work with it. Now she's his aunt, she's his biological aunt. Yeah. And here what happened. And then she did another move that it's really feministic uh, against all what the community is doing. Her one sentence to say, Yes, they are hiding from you in order to protect you. But I think differently. You should all know so you can fight for your uh, um, future. Yeah. Can I tell you one more thing? Because I think it's crucial. It's interesting. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so then we went to a place called Inwari. Uh, when we had a big gathering, we had a setting program. They are very polite and in order. First, I say hello. I give them blessing. Then Balaine, the director of the the chair of the board, coming and say few things. We planned everything. Suddenly, Abera could never talk anything in public. Suddenly, he stood up, and this is like a a, a one-time shot. He too talked. He talked about the future of the children. He called them to struggle. He called them to share their stories. Now you have to understand this is a very oppressed community, and and since that moment. This is the transformation of Abera. You will not believe what is going on with him now. You will not believe. He became one of the top leaders of this community. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's it. So, okay. So the, the, just the, like a quick segue, because you're an, an anthropologist. So you study kind of cultures and human nature. So it seems like a no brainer that, that you would be good at documentary filmmaking because you understand people you understand human nature you understand communities right so it seems like a no-brain like i said like it's like this is like a pretty seamless kind of i know you wanted to learn the technical side but you moving into filmmaking seems like a pretty seamless effort for you because that's what you do for a living you or for your whole life that you study human nature correct it's correct but i want to tell you something else as an anthropologist especially yeah. as an applied anthropologist I'm extremely sensitive for ethical issues. That's like what I have here, ethical issues and collaboration with the communities for their behalf. So I'm not an artist in the simple, uh, normal way. I'm not an artist. I'm yeah. not coming from an artistic uh, point of, uh, uh, of work. I'm not working as an artist. I'm doing a work, anthropological mission, 
but I have to consider and take under, you know, a lot of responsibility by doing it. Let me mention that my master, whom I never met in my life, yeah. is David McDougall, who is a, the most distinguished anthropologist who are doing ethnographic films. Yeah. You will not believe I wrote my um, um, a seminar uh, during the, my studies about David McDougall life work. And right now we are in a daily con communication because I'm organizing a session uh, on his uh, honor in the next anthropological uh, conference in India. So now I'm working with him on his film. Can you believe? No, I totally, I totally believe it. Make, it. It makes a lot of sense. I'm so curious about, because um, obviously you study cultures and, and, and sometimes there's there's cultures that are a little bit. One minute. Yeah. One second. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, so what it's I wanted funny. to tell you and show you, because it is part of it and I can bring it, of course. While doing the film, we also did a book. And although I wrote 15 books before, this is my biggest project. Why? Because most of the chapters have been written by people from the community that are non-academics with an amazing, amazing editor and Professor Marla Brechschneider from the US, who is one of the top researchers on Judaism in Africa. And she gave me a gift to do a book about this community. Now we worked like crazy, days and nights, from all over the world, the editor in Boston, they are in Ethiopia, I'm in Brazil. And I wrote one chapter about living with long-term trauma. And they wrote the history and culture. And the book is a complimentary for the film because a lot of people watch the film and have thousands of questions. And here is the book ready for them uh, to go on with it. Okay. So the, the the one that's that's amazing. So I was just curious about the because it's like you're going into a, this, these communities and you are a woman. So you're going you are a woman like and so and there's a there's an amazing scene about 15 minutes into your film where like you're expressing yourselves. You're in a room full of men, right? And you're expressing yourself and you're like getting into it. And then there's like these men who are just like I body language is probably analyzing body language is probably a little bit overrated, but they're just like they had this look on the on the face, like who is this woman? And then all of a sudden, slowly but surely, you're like gaining their confidence. Like you you see it in their eyes, if that makes sense. So do you? I'm just so curious about like did you have did you have resistance from the men in the First community? Of all, I like your questions because yeah. they are all the right questions. Okay. I like your now. Let me tell you something. This is one of the gifts I got while doing this film. We know it in anthropology that after a certain age, the gender issue, not the gender, the, the woman-man issue is put aside. When you are older person, older woman, you are accepted among men in a more comfortable way. Now, you just two uh, methods. First of all, I've been there for a long time. I didn't bring it to the film at all, but one of the challenges I had uh, uh, in one of the big meetings, one of the top leaders say like this, Malke think she went to a travel agent and bought her ticket, but she, she is mistaken. Just like God sent Moses to bring the people out of Egypt, he sent us Malka to bring us out now. And I, I laugh, I said, this how a, a Messiah look like? I'm a single mother, older woman. This is how Messiah look like. But what I know that they see in me 
the Messiah of this community who come to a freedom. So this is an element I have to work very, very, very carefully all the time. All the time I keep talking about my daughter, about being a single mother, of not having enough money to pay my bills. Maybe I should come and live with them. Yeah. I have always to put it down. This is one thing. The other thing, my team are the driver, the photographer, and uh, the three guys. So I was a, a lone woman. Now, the respect and the love I got from them and I gave them is a different experience. It's a clean relationship. Uh, uh, they see me as mom, yeah, the mother of the community now. But my older age, and sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's challenging. You don't want to be uh, in the place Abera and Mickey were to carry me on in this very, very difficult uh, 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 journeys. Yeah. But you can't believe how much respect and how much uh, consideration. And uh, yes, I was tough. And they would keep saying, Malka doesn't go with her feet. She goes with her spirit. <laughs> is there is there like a leader in this community? Like I've always, like you're studying anthropology. I've always been fascinated by the matriarch or the patriarch of communities where where someone is just kind of like holds it all together. They're not yeah, necessarily yeah. like uh, like the mayor. They're just like they kind of hold certain communities together. And if they they leave the community, then the community kind of kind of falls apart in a way. If that makes sense to you, I've, I seen, to it, I've seen it in you. families happen, like where someone passes away and then the whole yeah, thing exactly. crumbles because the matriarch passes away. Exactly, especially this kind of community that is spread out exactly. all over Canada. Now there are two top spiritual leaders. One you see in the film Abba Minas, who is my friend, colleague. We meet each other all the time. The second one was hidden from me. He didn't agree to meet me for four and a half years. Only in the very last time I was in Ethiopia, he agreed to meet with me. And when I met him, I understood we cannot go into all these issues of religion, of uh, Christianity, of uh, some people that gave up the struggle, so on. But he met me last time through Abera. And these are the two top spiritual leaders. Now, the people you see in the film and others are the elderly. This is the second row. And then are the young generation, young educated generation. They have the synagogue. It's called Brit Olam. And Balayne, who is in the film, is the uh, uh, chair of the board of directors. Miki Chazal. And Abera is a now a young leader, but there are other people. And of course, there are women. Mm. And they take all kinds of roles. So the community, although it is spread out all over this area, they are very well organized. Everybody knows who is he, what is his place. They do a lot of um, community gatherings to take to take decisions. Um, when there are guests from Israel, by the way, I just had my biggest achievement. An Orthodox rabbi that also deal with diverse communities, Rabbi Eliyahu Birenboi. Yeah. After four and a half years, I convinced him, convinced him to come to the community. Oh, wow. And he fell in love with them. And he fell in love with Abba Minas. And you know what? He told me, Malka, I apologize. It took me so long. Now we are moving to the next stage. Okay? After my USA tour, we hope to do some fundraising. Uh, we are moving to the next stage, which is to send a young rabbi or a teacher to open Hebrew school and to start creating more 
close relationship between Israelis, whether they are Ethiopian or non-Ethiopians, and young people from the Jewish diaspora. Also, slowly, slowly. It's not easy. It's still very difficult. Uh, uh, by the way, the most holy secret synagogue, I couldn't make it. I wanted to go, but I, they told me, go home, lose 10 kilos, get shape, and then you will go. You know why? It's very, very difficult. It takes six hours to go yeah. down the mountain. You could do it. You could do it. Next so time. Did you, did, did the people, the, uh, the people, the subjects in the film, have they watched the film? Have they watched of the course. film? Of course. The process was like this. I inaugurated the film in Israel. Yeah. In one of the colleges. Yeah. I flew to Ethiopia to inaugurate it in Addis Ababa University with a, a, a Alula Pankers, who is the son of Richard Pankers. We invited to the inauguration the Israeli ambassador, researchers from the Institute of Ethiopian Studies, and of course, 30 people from the community. It was amazing. I can't even tell you what is community healing process through the film. Then uh, I screened it... Uh, last time in the biggest cinema in Addis Ababa, Agarfekir, with 200 people and with many, many people from the community. And I can't even tell you how exciting it is. Some people yeah. come to me and say, we were born Beta Israel. We avoided being identified with the community so we can go to university, so we can succeed professionally, but we want to come back. How can we help? So yeah. we already have some very distinguished people, doctors, high officials, that all uh, in a process of returning to the community. Uh, uh, and, and of course, we, we develop very strong affiliation with the mayor of Addis Ababa, Adanech, that because of her and the previous Israeli ambassador that helped me, we got this lens. It, it is unbelievable. And uh, we keep going. We still have a long way to go. So you you, you 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 chatted about going to North America and you're going to do some screenings and some Q and A's with people. The film's doing well on the festival circuit. It's uh, it's getting all these awards. It's uh, it's going all over the world. You like from Tokyo to Los Angeles to New York in between to Poland. Obviously Israel. It's played a lot in Israel, France. Like it's played in Sweden, UK. It's played it's played in India. It's played in a lot of places. What did you, we send you the our audience our audience feedback video? What did you think about what our audience had to say about your film? First of all, it was a refreshing experience. It seems that they are very professional feedback people. Uh, well, I don't know about uh, that, but that's that's that, that I'm sure they would appreciate that. But go ahead. I I thought it was very nice to get uh, feedback from diverse people. Yeah. I guess one was Jew, one was non-Jew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Latin. Asian actually, I think it was very exciting to see this diversity. And I, I felt that they really watched the film into details and they were able to speak about details of the film and how it is, how it was uh, interesting for them, uh, questions they had, yeah. different points that they could relate to it. I thought it was very, very good way to give feedback. I liked it. I listened and watched it many, many times. Besides one person, the last person, I couldn't really understand his English. He was too low. And only when I got it with translation, I could get what he said. Okay. So this is technical. But otherwise, the diversity and the details and the content were very impressive. 
And uh, uh, I just want to tell you that it, it still screen in the Miami uh, Jewish Film Festival, which is the biggest Jewish film festival yeah, in the US. Of course, yeah. It is yeah, still online. It is still screened online. And they just sent me that uh, so many people watched it and the feedbacks and the points and so and so. Didn't get an award, unfortunately, because they had very good prices. But uh, otherwise, we still keep going. And what, el- what I can also tell you that... Uh, Following NAFCOT and uh, in many, from many festivals, uh, people ask me, the organizers, of course, ask me what is my next film. Yeah. And when they find uh, out- we, I asked you that. We asked you that question. What's your next exactly. film? Exactly. And when I say that I continue to do my next two films about diverse Jewish communities, one in Amazonia and one of the uh, Brazilian historian, uh, Anita Novinsky, they get interested. So I must tell you that I'm still waiting for this one phone call. Hello, Malka, I want to buy your film. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still waiting for the big thing because the money will go first to build the synagogue. And and then you didn't ask me the most crucial uh, question that all filmmakers deal with. Who paid for this huge project? You never asked me that. <laughs> well, because it's... Because money, money and age and, and is, is personal. We don't want to, like, sometimes it's like, that's a, it's a personal question. So do you want, me, want me to ask We are that? in Israel, don't mind. You can ask me who paid for this five-year project. Please who paid ask. for this five-year project? I'm assuming it was you. My retirement grant. Your retirement when grant. When I was two years old, I understood that I didn't get any money from a television and film grants in Israel. Yeah. So I decided it's a film for life. And I can't wait. And I was lucky to to be able to pull all my retirement savings yeah. to put on the film. Well, here, well, listen, you like the films. It's a, it's a crisp seventy minutes. Uh, there's lots of streaming services out there. Like you can get your, you can sell your film. I'm assuming after the festival circuit's over, right? So I think that's your agenda. So that's your next. That's your next plan. So basically, um, so. And why do you need to retire anyways? You're going to work for the rest of your life. You're not, you don't have the personality to retire. So you can, you can use let, that retirement. Let me, tell you, let me tell you, in order to be free, yeah. to, to be busy with my next films and to do some other things. And I'm now a student of video therapy because I'm also a life coacher and I, I work with women with long time, tra- long life trauma. So yeah. in order to keep going, I need a lot of freedom. I don't, I, I gave up all my academic teaching. I don't want to have any schedule that will keep me from being free to move around. Okay. So this why uh, in Israel, the retirement money we get from the government is very, very little. Yeah. And I have, a, I have one daughter that is now serving in a combat unit, taking care of the Egyptian border for us. So it's not an easy status to be in. Yeah. So I need to keep a lot of freedom. And finally, I understand. And finally, I just started the most challenging film in my life. You know which one? What? I'm doing a film with my 86 years old mother who suffered from dementia for short term, but very open for long term memory. And we work excitingly. And many aliens who film Nafcot decided to work with me, although he knows I don't have money. And we don't have much, <laughs> but uh, yeah. we started shooting already two days. That's the most important, personal, exciting, challenging. I can't even tell you. 
So now I'm in Israel for a few months before I start traveling again for my daughter, for my mother, and to get into a good shape, you know? I need to go to keep good shape always. Yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> On that note, I could talk to you forever. You're you're an amazing person. Uh, let's talk again when you when you make your next film. Maybe I can help out in any way. I understand that. Are you in LA? What's that? Are you located? Are you in LA? Personally? I'm I'm personally located in Toronto. I'm in Toronto right now. Wow! Oh, oh. You know that Toronto is the only city I've not been in Canada. <laughs> oh really? Well, you should. It's a huge Jewish Jewish population, so you should. I know. I know. I, you can I. I just something else. I've been in the Laurentian Mountains in summer camp in Montreal in and Montreal, Laurentian yeah. Mountains. Yeah, yeah. I've been in Vancouver. I've been in a, I was in hospital in this city, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Yeah, this one. Saskatchewan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they put me in hospital there for something. Yeah. And and what I want to tell you that I had very, very close relationship with Canada for a long, long, long time. Yeah. But now in the film festival market, which I'm uh, uh, applying or, you know, submitting my film, yeah. I still didn't got, uh, I had two refusals from Canada. I'm still waiting for uh, some other, I don't, I have to see what in the program, but I know definitely, one, that there is big Jewish communities in Toronto, Montreal, yeah. and, and so on. And my dream is to get back to Vancouver because I love Vancouver Island. <laughs> but we'll see what comes. All right, on that note, it was great talking to you and well, let's talk again. <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shlemiel, Shlemazel.